Um, yes, yeah, so this passage is from Matthew 14 and follows the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew's gospel. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your living word. and Thank you that you speak to us personally as we open uh, these timeless truths, um, your written word that you encounter us right here by your Holy Spirit. And you come to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us. And so we pray this morning uh, that as we reflect on this passage together, um, that you would meet us where we're at, Lord, each of us individually, both in this room and in our homes this morning. And uh, I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, our Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We also pray the theme of this next day of this, this month. Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you to be among us, to move, to speak, and to be near to us this morning. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. A couple of things I, I want to just point out at the very beginning from what we just read. Uh, if we can go to the next slide. It's, um, it's interesting, I, I find, how the response of the disciples shifts to who Jesus is and and how they observe him in this passage. I don't know if you noticed it, but the very first thing they say is, it's a ghost, right? But then when Jesus says, no, I'm not a ghost, it's me, Peter says, if it's you, call me and I'll come to walk to you in the water. And then it shifts a little bit more when he does step out, but still has doubt and begins to sink. There's Lord, then a shift there, but still like, save me, I need you, to the point where at the end they all say, Wow, we worship you. What a, what a shift from it's a ghost to Lord Jesus, we worship you. You truly are the Son of God. Let's point that out from the beginning. We'll come back to that at the end. Um, my name is Luke. If you don't know me, if you're watching online this morning, Facebook or, or our church online page, welcome. Um, we're in a series called Come Holy Spirit. And um, this series is ultimately about being disciples of Jesus and making disciples of Jesus. Uh, 
This is the new expression of our mission as a church, our core uh, purpose, why we exist, what we're here for as a church family, to be disciples and make disciples. And, and it's the great commission, really. I mean, the, the mission, the commission of the church has never changed. It's always been the same, always will be the same. Jesus said it this way, um, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these others to do the same as I've taught you, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And then he left. You've noticed that? Like, I'll be with you. Now, he wasn't going bad on his promise. He was saying, I will be with you by my spirit. And he, he would say to the disciples, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And so getting to know Jesus and being his disciple and leading others to become his disciples and even getting to know his heavenly father, our heavenly father, as we do that through Jesus, is not just about Jesus. It's also about getting to know the Holy Spirit. A little bit of background theology, which will be recap for most of you, but always helpful. God, the God we worship, the God we know, is like a family. One God, but with three distinct persons. We are one being and one person. God is one being and three persons, which doesn't quite compute in our human limited minds, but that is who God is. Um, and so God is this, this community, this united three persons in one, each of whom have distinct roles. And Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. That's how close and united they were. And then later he said, I'll send the helper, the, the guide. He will remind you, this new one, this Holy Spirit will remind you of what I taught, will lead you into all truth, as Yoi reminded us of last week. Um, and as helper and guide and the one who teaches us now, like Jesus taught the disciples for those three years when he walked this earth, the Holy Spirit now for us is the person within the Godhead, the Trinity, that we must learn to follow and, and to, to be our teacher. Even the apostles spent more time. Have you ever thought about this? The apostles, the 12 who were Jesus in a circle, spent more time being led by and guided by and taught by the Holy Spirit than they did with Jesus in the flesh. We think, oh, it was all, they had Jesus, they had advantage. Well, that was just for three years. They lived a fair bit longer after that with the Holy Spirit as their guide and their teacher. And Jesus himself said, it is good that I leave you because then the helper will come, then the Spirit will come. And so before we delve into some of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks and leads and commissions and guides us to be disciples and make disciples of Jesus, for example, in the coming weeks as we explore some of the gifts and all sorts of different things, I want to talk about a thing first that is common, I think, to both the experience of Jesus in a circle, the twelve, walking with Jesus in the flesh, but it's also common to ask our experience today of people who are being led by the Spirit and are taught by and guided by the Holy Spirit. And that common experience, I think, is risk. Risk. Now, um, depending on your personality, you either get excited when I say risk because you're an adrenaline junkie who likes to do bungee jumping and that sort of thing, or you, if you're like me, you're like, uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure where this is leading. I, risk is never a good thing. But I'm not talking about pointless risk or 
exhilarating kind of adrenaline kind of risk or a risk that you're forced into and we should avoid. That I'm talking about that space of learning to trust God when there's uncertainty and even doubt. Let's talk about this passage, Walking on the Water, Peter and Jesus. Um, Peter, in this passage that we just read, is like a, it's kind of a paradoxical example of both faith and doubt. Have you noticed this? He's the only one of the disciples in the boat who goes, hey, call me Jesus, I'm gonna, I want to step out in the water with you in this miraculous way. But then his faith wavers and he's also one who's, who doubts in that moment. Uh, furthermore, there's a Mark's version of this story. So we read from Matthew's Gospel. Mark's version of this story highlights the disciples' lack of understanding of, of who Jesus is at the end of all this. They just don't get it. Whereas in Matthew's version, there's this new, as we saw, a new stage of recognition of his divinity. We worship you. Wow, you really are the Son of God. So what's going on? Is it about faith or is it about doubt? I think the story that we read helps to debunk the idea that faith and doubt are mutually exclusive. To debunk the idea that faith and doubt are mutually exclusive. One one commentator uh, on this passage said this, the followers of Jesus, in fact, regularly experience a combination of faith and doubt. Let's think about why that is for a second. Faith is not just a feeling, right? It's more than a feeling. James 2.26 says, faith without deeds is dead, right? Uh, basically, faith is a doing word. It's, it's not about just something internal. It's an external action as well. Um, it's one thing to say you have faith in something or someone. It's another thing to act on it. I'll give you an example. There was a tightrope walker by the name of Charles Blondin in the 1800s. Anybody heard of him? He had a different name as well that he went by. And he would go out to Niagara Falls and walk along this tightrope across Niagara Falls, and a crowd would come and see him, and he'd say, do you think I can do it? And they'd all go, yeah, you can do it. And he'd walk along the tightrope, yeah, like, you know, be a bit of a show pony from the sounds of it. And then he'd come back, and he'd get a wheelbarrow, and he'd say, who, who thinks I can walk along the tightrope with the wheelbarrow? Yeah, you can do it. Okay, and he'd go out with his wheelbarrow, and then he'd come back again, and he goes, who thinks I can walk over Niagara Falls on the tightrope with a wheelbarrow with someone in it? And they'd say, yeah, you can do that. And go, okay, who would like to volunteer? And of course, nobody said they would. It's one thing to have faith. Oh, yes, you can do it with somebody in the wheelbarrow. It's another thing to say, we trust you so much that I'll get in the wheelbarrow. So faith is actually about action, which is exactly why faith and doubt are not mutually exclusive. Anything that requires a step of faith will by default include doubt. Not being sure. Otherwise, by default, it's not faith. It's just clarity and sureness. Now, I personally like clarity. I like to know that I'm sure about what I'm sure I know about. And that I know that I can know that I can be sure about that thing I'm sure of, right? It, like, I really love clarity, in, in, especially in big decisions or important movements forward. And so this little story I read recently challenged me deeply. Uh, John Kavanagh, a guy uh, by the name of John Kavanagh, once visited Mother Teresa in Calcutta. I don't know if you've ever thought about what it would be like to meet Mother Teresa. I'm sure quite an amazing, uh, you know, amazing life. It would be a great experience. But he asked her 
to pray that God might give him clarity. And Mother Teresa said firmly, no, I will not. He was surprised and asked why, and she explained, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. Ouch. (laughs) Another person once put it this way, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. It's never completely safe and, and clear to act with faith in God. It's actually risky. It, it's, doubt lingers and there's unknowns in the process of real trust in God. And yet we, as especially West Australians, we value safety so much. Look at the popularity rating of McGowan in the last election and how much we appreciate and value being safe. But what does this have to do, you might ask, um, about... What does this have to do with getting to know the Holy Spirit? Well, I think that walking, and I think the Scriptures show that walking with and getting to know and be led by the Holy Spirit, letting Him be our teacher and guide like Jesus was for those three years with the disciples, getting to know the Holy Spirit in this way could very well be described as living in that place where faith and doubt meet. The Holy Spirit leads us into sometimes small, sometimes bigger, faith risks. And it's in responding and learning and failing sometimes that we get to know him in that space, not by staying safe or clear about things. Say that another way, doing what the Spirit asks or going where the Spirit leads will rarely feel safe or sure, but it will always be an opportunity to experience him, his power, his love, his presence in those experiences. Um, At the beginning of this series, I I began and sort of tried to set the the foundation of all this by saying what the Holy Spirit's mission always is, that it's always, whatever he's doing, his mission, his goal is always to draw us into the love of God, the heart of the Father. It's always about drawing us closer to God and others as well. And so when When we step out in faith, when there's doubt involved in something the Holy Spirit might be leading us into or saying to us, it's always about him demonstrating God's faithfulness. Like Peter stepping out onto the water. He wouldn't have experienced the trustworthiness of Jesus if he'd not been on the water himself. I can't think of a single decision in my life where that that required no risk or, or faith and doubts together. Um, that then led to a deeper relationship with God or alignment with his will for my life. All of the decisions have been risky or or have required faith and and there's been doubt. Um, Choosing to pursue vocational ministry as a a teenager, the doubt's coming from every angle. Opening up um, vulnerably with other Christians at times where it's been about something private or personal and, and sharing that, knowing that that would result in in, in growth and, and, and maturity, but feeling a risk going, what if this doesn't go right? What if they take it the wrong way? Um, I, I mean, every week I struggle with doubt as to whether I've been obedient to what God's trying to say through me in the sermon from the pulpit. I, I'm never super clear that I'm being obedient to God and saying what he wants me to say. Rarely do I feel clarity. But it's not just the big decisions or even the weekly decisions in life either. I think it's about being open each and every day in the little things. Stepping out in faith as the Spirit leads with little risks. 
things that feel a bit uncomfortable but might just be him using us. I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, I was um, uh, in a prayer meeting with the local pastors in this area and one of, one of those guys, a friend of mine, was um, just sharing about some decisions in his life and some direction he was seeking from God on, on something and we were praying for him with that and um, as we were praying, a number of the others were praying out loud. I was just praying silently and a few thoughts were coming to mind about how I was praying for him and then I felt I thought I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to verse 17 of a particular chapter in the Bible and I looked it up and basically the verse kind of aligned with what I had been thinking and I couldn't have orchestrated that so I think this is the Holy Spirit speaking and I think that the Holy Spirit wants this friend of mine to know this and for this to be an encouragement and a word to him. But of course, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, no, I mean, you know, this could just be a coincidence, Luke. I mean, it's not really that related anyway. How do you know? I mean, that these guys are all older and wiser than you. You'll be quite embarrassed if he looks you in the face and go, that's weird. What are you talking about? And I just, I don't really, but I've learned enough over time to know that even if I got it wrong, and even if there was a risk in looking a bit silly or, or even him taking it the wrong way, that I'd feel more regret if I missed that opportunity. So I shared this. So I just take this as you will. But I think maybe this, this verse and, and this kind of little message that goes with it um, might be to encourage you this morning. And he said, well, be encouraged. The Lord's speaking through you. Fifteen years ago, I had a vivid vision and the Lord spoke to me uh, strongly about my ministry for the next 15 years through that exact chapter of the Bible. And what that did was nothing hugely dramatic for, for him, or, but it gave me a sense of, wow, God, I, I feel you are close right now. And for him and for the others in the room, we went, that's, that's so encouraging that God knows your story, our story, and would want to use us to speak. These are the little things that are not once in a lifetime, let's take a big risk and see what the Lord will do, but the little things that can happen on a regular basis. And I've had many of these experiences where if we step out in faith with a bit of risk, what the Lord might do is quite profound. Just another example of this, William Carey, you may have heard of, uh, was a man used by God powerfully. He saw thousands come to Christ um, opened the way for missionaries to go throughout India and was cons- is considered now really to be the father of modern missions. His motto, for example, was expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. I mean, that's kind of like, wow, okay, spiritual giant sort of stuff right there, right? Um, amazing man, amazing ministry. But when he was asked at the end of his life, what was his greatest gift? He said this, If people would ask what was Mr. Carey's greatest gift, I would have told them Mr. Carey's greatest gift was that he knew how to plod. You know, like, just plod along. Just keep going. Nothing special about plodding. One person said it this way, the great need of the church isn't for a few one-off risk-takers, it's for risk-taking plodders. And so... With that in mind, it's not just about the successes. 
when we feel the Spirit has led us and something amazing happens or we, we're obedient and we say, share something with someone or we pray for someone and they get healed or they, they feel... Uh, it's not about just those things. Someone once said, failure isn't an option, it's a necessity. We have to actually step out and fail sometimes, like Peter did on the water as he began to sink. I mean, I felt the Spirit lead me before to pray for someone for healing. And God, I think you've led this, so you're going to do it, and nothing happens. And then I've, uh, I've felt full of faith for something. God, I think you're giving me the gift of faith this morning to believe for this, so I'm going to pray into it. And it, no, not. Did not happen. Failure, again. John Wimber, who some of you would have heard of, uh, amazing ministry, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, um, would have people come to him um, saying, I've prayed for four or five or six people now and they haven't been healed. What's going on? And he would tell them, go away, pray for a thousand people, then come back to me and we'll talk. Because he knew that after praying for a thousand people, they would have seen breakthrough. Getting familiar with the Spirit's voice and movements involved getting it wrong, trying, plodding, if you like, not stopping after a few risks. And so... If we ask, well, how does the Holy Spirit lead us into faith-stepping opportunities? What, what does this look like? We'll explore that plenty in the coming weeks. Hearing his voice, the prophetic, the gifts in 1 Corinthians, the charismata, if you like to use that term, how to be led by the Spirit, what, what's it mean to be filled uh, with the Spirit, all of those things that we need to unpack because so often there's so much confusion and, and, and uh, contradiction in what people say. It's so important we unpack those things. But let's start right here. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And, and you are a Christian if you can say, Jesus is Lord. You do realize that, right? If you, if you can say, Jesus is Lord, the scripture said, no one can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. And so if you genuinely with your heart say, Jesus is Lord, he's my Lord, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. Let's get that clear from the very beginning. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit lives inside you. That means that even today, even this week, he's impressing upon you things that you may to do or to say that may bless someone or may bless you or both, that will draw you or draw others or draw both of you into God's love and joy. And whatever that thing to do or say is, whatever that thing is, the Spirit is leading you into, prompting you on, you will not be sure that it's Him. If you're a Christian, you're filled with the Spirit, He is leading you, He is prompting you, but you will not have clarity. Because if you do, there's no trust involved. And so to respond to Him will be a risk will involve doubt. It may just be a gut feeling. It may be a thought. It may be a scripture that's, that's standing out. It may be a conviction that you have. A couple of important points would be if it doesn't contradict scripture, uh, if we have the next slide, does it contradict scripture? Well, if it doesn't, then, um, then maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Um, now, if you're not sure about that, check with someone else. <laughs> if you don't know the Bible back to front, you need to check, check with someone else who knows. If it's not sin, check with someone else if you don't know that either. If, it's, if your motivation is obedience to God and love for others, then take the risk. Take the risk. 
And we're going to pray in a minute in just inviting the Holy Spirit here in this room, in our places at home, watching online, inviting the Holy Spirit just to come. That's all we're doing this series. Come, Holy Spirit. We invite you. Show us what you're saying. We're going to invite him to show us where he's leading us. But I want to finish with something. The thing that I noticed a few weeks ago about this passage that I shared earlier, Jesus and Peter on the, on the water. And my hope is that this, this is not to, to challenge you deeply. You go, oh my goodness, I'm going to feel like I'm jumping, uh, you know, bungee jumping or, or skydiving or something, that kind of risk. But to go, you know what, as we take a small step of faith, God meets us in those places. We get to know him. We experience his love. We experience his joy, his, his comfort, his presence. And so I want, I want to highlight what I think the Holy Spirit wants to do from this passage. If we go back to that, that slide about the, um, the disciples' response to Jesus. It started with, it's a ghost. They were in this area where there was demonic and occultish activity. We see that in a uh, chapter nearby in Matthew's Gospel. So they're like, is this like some you know, dead person appearing to us? Because this is demonic. If so, they were legitimately scared. Then the response moves when Jesus says, no, 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 it's me, to... Well, if it's you, and some of the commentators say, well, they're not, he's not necessarily doubting that it's Jesus, but he's saying, okay, well, if it's you, Jesus, show me I can trust you. Peter, Peter's saying, oh, I'll step out on the water. It's a shift from, it's a ghost to, oh, well, if it's you, Jesus, to then stepping out in faith, taking a risk and saying, Lord, save me. I need your help. I'm, I'm in, I doubt right now. I'm in a place where I need your assistance. So then finally, Jesus proves himself trustworthy, and they all say, we worship you. I believe the shift in our perspective of who the Holy Spirit is can be similar to this. Some of you have simply heard, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. What's with this strange, weird, I don't really know because people say so many different things about this Spirit of God? Even if it's not that there's a fear, it's just a, I'm not sure. It's a ghost. But as you open yourself to him and he leads you, say, if it's you, that's such a great prayer. If it's you, Holy Spirit, just help me see that and, and give me faith. He's the one who gives us the faith in the first place, not out of our own strength. And then as we step out in faith, and maybe fail a few times or go, well, I, I've responded, but nothing's happened. Holy Spirit, help me. As Peter said, Lord, save me to Jesus. To the point where it shifts from, it's a ghost I don't understand, through to, Holy Spirit, we worship you. I love you. Thank you for being present in my life. How do you see the Holy Spirit? How might he want to shift your perspective of who he is as you step out in faith? Father, I thank you for this um, this passage of Scripture, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us now. You're here with us in this room. You're here with us online in people's homes and living rooms and bedrooms and wherever they are um, tuning in from. And uh, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come right now. To come and lead us, to come and prompt us, to come and speak to us. As we begin a time of worship in song. We invite you to not just be one we know about, but the one whom we're getting to know personally.
So Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you this morning. Come and speak.